Welcome to the Professional Writer Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Christensen. I'm here to help you confidently plan, launch, and grow your writing-related business. Whether you're an emerging or an established writer looking for practical tips to help you develop and sustain forward momentum, or you enjoy candid conversations with business professionals who share what it's really like to be a professional writer, you'll get that here on the Professional Writer Podcast. You'll find the show notes and a link to join our private Facebook community at bloggingbistro.com forward slash podcast. During my writing-related career, I've worn many hats, and one hat was when I served as a communications director for a startup national franchise. That involved doing a lot of PR, a lot of public relations. My favorite part of that job was when I got to interview new franchise owners and write press releases, which in my case, since I am an overachiever, were full-blown feature stories. I then secured publication of those stories in print and broadcast media in the franchise owner's local area. National media outlets also contacted me, and one day I was carpooling with a friend to an event when my cell phone rang, and I glanced at my friend, and I laughingly said, oh, that'll be Oprah. I answered the call, and indeed, it was Oprah. Well, it was Oprah's people, anyway. While getting my client featured in, oh, the Oprah magazine was super fun. That did not happen overnight. I worked long and hard to develop media contacts on the local and regional levels before I ever broke into national media on behalf of my client. As writers, we do a tremendous amount of work to craft and fine tune our content. And then we put it out there and it feels like it gets lost in an extremely crowded marketplace where every other writer is trying equally hard to get the word out about their books or their editing services or their coaching program. So we put countless hours into creating, let's say, Instagram reels. And some of those reels get thousands or tens of thousands of views, and we feel as if we have made it. But all those views on our reels don't seem to translate into many people liking our Instagram account or signing up for our email list or having a meaningful conversation with us. And we wonder, is anybody seeing this? Does anyone even care? When it comes to being seen, where do you start? Today's guest, Lisa Simone Richards, is a PR and visibility strategist for people who want to go from invisible to in-demand through getting featured on blogs, interviewed on podcasts and for TV shows, and partnering with big names in their industry to build their authority as an expert. Hi, Lisa. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to be here and have this conversation. I loved hearing your story. There are some parts of that, not the Oprah one, but other parts I can (laughs) totally relate to. I love that you were talking about, you know, working with franchisees from both a national and a local perspective. From 2009 to 2013, I worked my funnest job ever for a women's only boot camp. And we grew from 30 to 100 locations while I was there over the course of four years. So I was managing hyper local PR, making sure that every single individual boot camp was getting featured in their super local media, but also managing the brand's company as a whole nationally. So just that balancing from every single individual location to the company as a whole just took me back to, you know, almost 10 years ago now. That is a fun job, isn't it? I really had a lot of fun doing that job, especially when Oprah's people called me. 
so it's not quite Oprah, but I do remember we were in New York on a press tour and we got to go to Shape Magazine. We were in the Condé Nast building. I asked to stop off on the Vogue floor just to have a moment to be like, oh my goodness, Anna Wintour walks here. But when we were in the Martha Stewart building or the offices for an interview, and this was just around her um, house arrest time, we saw Martha oh. come into the office and we saw her going up the stairs and we saw the little ankle monitor. Um, so not quite Oprah, but just another memory from the days of PR. I love it, Lisa. That's great. Well, we could probably share our, our PR stories all day long, but that's not exactly what we're here to talk with our listeners about today. Lisa, you are here to share with us another way to get seen. And we all know about social media and paid media, which is advertising, but there is another way that works so well for authors, and you call that earned media. So can we just pause here for a minute for what I call our word nerd moment? We have those a lot on the podcast where we kind of help our listener to define words and phrases that they might be unfamiliar with. Lisa, can you walk us through or acquaint us with how you view the differences between owned media, social media, paid media, and what you're calling earned media? Owned media is, is, you know, you having your own platform, your own website, your own blog, and it's important for you to have your own digital footprint for you to be able to control the content and have somewhere that your ideal reader is going to find you when they search your name or your book title. You've also got social media. This is something that most likely all of us are taking advantage of, whether that is having a community on Facebook or accumulating a following on Instagram. Social media is so incredibly powerful because we have the opportunity to control the videos, the content, the audio that we're putting out. We can connect directly with our readers, our clients, whoever the person we want to speak to on the other side is, our listeners potentially. And we can send them DMs, we can send them voice notes, we can send them audio messages. And that's something that we didn't have access to years ago. However, one of the things that I always caution with social media Social media takes time. Mm -hmm. um, you have to be on there doing the reels and the TikToks and whatnot. And it almost feels like everybody else is on social media. So it can be a very noisy place. We also talked about, you mentioned paid media. So with paid media, you may already be familiar with Facebook ads or Google ads. Back when I was growing up, paid media and advertising traditionally was like throwing spaghetti at a wall putting up a billboard and hoping the right person drove by it. Maybe the best thing you could do is know that at like Friday, 830, you're going to advertise like family friendly stuff in the evening and maybe like race your stuff later on. But, you know, it's kind of spaghetti at a wall. Now with paid media, I can go into Facebook and say, I'm looking for X demographic, Y gender with this household income and really target the people I want my content to get in front of. Again, super powerful. However, with paid media, number one, that takes money. I decided to do Facebook ads properly last year and I hired a Facebook ads team and their monthly retainer is thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. And then to pay for the ads themselves is another fee. And, right. you know, to this point, I'm still even matching my ad spend to the retainer spend. So the point is paid media is fantastic and it is a very expensive game to play properly. The other thing with paid media is the second I turn off my ad spend, everything about me goes away. There is not a trace. There is uh, not a footprint. It is gone. So that is paid media. Again, pros and cons. So what I love to share with authors, writers, entrepreneurs, business owners, coaches, is the power of earned media. And this is how to leverage other people's platforms. Somewhere out there, somebody has your ideal client rounded up 
whether that is at a live event, listening to a specific podcast in a Facebook group, in a mastermind. What I love to share with people is how do you figure out what these other people's platforms look like? Podcasts, TV shows, magazines, websites, whatever it might be. We have so many interesting combinations. I could probably name 15 off the top of my head. And once you figure out what those platforms are, how do you figure out how to get access to it in a way that what's going to cost you instead of time like social media or money like paid ads, this is going to cost you value. You show up and give value, share your expertise, make sure that anyone consuming your content leaves a little bit richer than you came. And this way you can get exposure to other people's platforms. So this could be even something like Laura, you're giving me the honor of speaking to your listeners on this podcast. They trust you by extension of knowing you, some of that's already automatically extended to me. And if I came in here and said, hey, I'd love to talk about my online program or something like that, you'd have been like, delete in two seconds. <laughs> but because I showed up and I was like, hey, I know that your listeners have put effort into creating their books and they want to get it out there. I'd love to share with them ways that they can get additional visibility on the work that they've created. I brought value to the table and that's why you were willing to have me here to have this conversation today. So I want everyone to be thinking about where are the places my ideal client or reader is paying attention? How can I add value to that conversation and get access to that platform? Because here are some of the pros you're going to get from earned media. Number one, we just briefly talked about the credibility factor. By extension of knowing you, Laura, now your listeners are trusting me just a little bit more than they might if I was just a cold ad that showed up in their Facebook ad feed. There's SEO purposes behind this. If someone is Googling visibility for my book, this episode might come up there. So that's going to get me great Google ability and searchability. It's also, it's not costing me money to be here. I get to show up and give value. So this is a really effective, cost-effective way to do it. I'm building authority, expert status, endorsement. And this is something that I feel like a lot of authors may feel like, oh, that's only for people who have an expensive publicist and a book team and whatnot. And I want everyone to know that this is something that's absolutely accessible to them. And that's why I'm excited for our conversation to share what are different types of earned media? How do we get access to them so that we can build our awareness, buzz, and credibility. Well, I wanted to ask you a quick question, Lisa, as you were talking about earned media. Just yesterday, I received an email invitation from a writer's group, and they said, we would like you to come and be a guest on our webinar. We do a monthly webinar for the members of our group, and we'd like you to come and talk about topic XYZ. Now, I had actually been referred by an author friend of mine who I think had spoken for that same group. And they came to her and said, hey, we need somebody to talk about email marketing. Who would you recommend? And she's like, oh, contact Laura. Lisa, would you call that earned media? Absolutely. And I would even go beyond earned media. And I would call that a reactive opportunity. So a lot of the times when you're looking for visibility, it's either going to be proactive or reactive. And what we all want is reactive. Laura, you're living the dream. We want those invitations <laughs> landing in our inbox. We don't want to have to go out and necessarily hunt them down. We want them to yeah. come to us. But the truth is when we're just getting started with visibility, as we're building our name and getting ourselves out there, we have to proactively put ourselves out there and make the ask, ask for an appearance mm -hmm. on a podcast, ask to speak on a stage. And as we build a name, as we build a reputation, as people get to know who we are, you'll notice that for maybe the first year or so, you're the one putting in the effort. But after that, 
opportunities just start to land in your inbox. So 100% it's earned media and it's also a reactive opportunity because you didn't have to do anything to get it. It just came right to you. You gotta love that. Okay, so another question I have for you is a lot of authors are, shall I say, obsessed with posting only from their own platforms. So they would post only from their blog or only from their podcast, or they just set up a website and they assume that people are just going to flock to it by the mere fact that they have a website set up. Now, you and I know that's not the case, but I would like you to address that issue and to talk a little bit about how posting on only your own platforms would be a mistake. There's this belief around if you if you build it, they will come. You know, it's a, a lie we've been sold over and over again. And a lot of the time when I'm starting to connect with new people in my world around building visibility and expert status, you know, people are sharing with me, yeah, my plan to, you know, get more sales is to host a webinar. I'm like, okay, great. How are we marketing the webinar? I'm putting it on my Instagram account. How many followers do you have? 50. And like, they're all friends from high school. I'm like, where are the new leads coming <laughs> from? We need to get visibility. So there's there's a real danger to, especially like considering social media for one angle, when you're only posting content on your own platform, you're only getting in front of your existing followers. And we also know that the algorithm is not showing our content to all of our followers. So if you have a thousand followers, maybe 200 people might see the post, but it's not getting in front of new people. And this is something that I hear a lot when people are sharing with me, you know, Lisa, I feel frustrated that my sales are stagnant. I'm always like, Are you reaching new people or are you just marketing to the same individuals over and over again? Also, when it comes to hosting content on your own platform, think about, you know, people do their research before they buy a book, go to a restaurant, whatever it is. They want to see where this person is showing up. So if you even think about when a movie is coming out, for example, what's the last movie I saw? I saw Joker. That's how long it's been. Um, But when Joker came out, you know, it wasn't just the movie studio doing their own thing. The actors were on podcasts. They were on Mm -hmm. Entertainment Tonight. They were on the cover of magazines. They were building a buzz about it. You heard about it over and over again. You want to create the same impact and footprint for yourself, especially when it comes to building your own credibility factor. If you're only showing up on your platforms, that doesn't position you with a ton of authority. It's when you can be seen on multiple platforms as featured on, as seen in, when your name is said alongside the names of the other authors and writers that you respect and look up to, that's when your own brand elevates and it's seen in a different way. You're not just another writer, not just another business owner. Now you're actually starting to position yourself as the writer, the author, the person who's been, whose name has been said in the sentence along with somebody else who's maybe like five steps ahead of you in their career. Let's get really practical with this one, Lisa. Let's say that a writer wants to be a podcast guest. Maybe they want to be on the professional writer podcast. (laughs) How could they go about framing their skills and their expertise so they attract the attention of the podcaster? And I just want to say, listener, before we get into Lisa's response to this question, Lisa did this with me. I get a ton of pitches from authors and people in writing-related businesses and PR professionals every day who want to be guests on my podcast. Most of them go straight into the trash can (laughs) without me even reading them. However, 
Two weeks ago, I had no idea who Lisa even was. Today, she's a guest on my podcast, and it was 100% because of the way she pitched herself to me. So you can feel free to use yourself as an example here, Lisa. When you want to be a podcast guest, how do you frame your skills and your expertise so that you attract the attention of the person you want to interact with and to kind of expand your reach, expand your platform with? Thank you so much for the kind compliment. I appreciate it. But what's really awesome about what you said is exactly what I say to my clients. If you don't do this properly, you're going to end up in the trash can. And it's so (laughs) nice to be able to say, I'm not a liar. You can hear it straight from the host herself. (laughs) One of the mistakes that I see people make when they're pitching themselves for any sort of visibility opportunity is that they make it about themselves. Mm -hmm. If I wrote to you, Laura, and I was like, hey, I'm hosting this free workshop to get people into my six-month program. Here's what you learned in the program. Can I come on your show and talk about it? You would have hit delete in two seconds, but the difference is what I take the time to do and what I share with my people to do is number one, show some familiarity. Someone's putting effort into creating a show. Have you listened to an episode? Do you even know that they take guests on their show? Pay attention to the actual person you're reaching out to. You also want to make sure, as I was saying before, always lead with value. My intention, anytime I get a visibility opportunity, whether that's a guest on a podcast, guest training in a mastermind, or whatever it might be, my intention is for every single person who's listening, watching, or reading to leave richer than they came, regardless of whether or not they choose to jump in my world, work with me, whatever it is, how am I bringing value to the table so that everybody paying attention is going to walk away with a skill that is going to improve their life or their business in some capacity? What else would I say that I did not pitch to help it stand out? Um, I also really focused on the takeaway. What's in Mm -hmm. it for the person listening? What are they going to be able to do at the end of the episode? I outlined very clearly at the end of a conversation, your listeners will know how to number one, number two, and number three. And because I was, my hope, you tell me this, I can't put words in your mouth, but because I was able to paint a picture for you, this is what the outcome would be. This is what the conversation could look like because I didn't leave the onus on you to come up with what it looks like. I just kind of Mm. put the whole thing in A to Z and was like, would this be of value to your people? And because I did my homework, that's why it landed. And if I can add one more thing, because yes. I'm prone to forgetting things, <laughs> a big difference that my clients and I do that a lot of people don't is follow up. Mm-hmm. Some people will just send out the podcast pitch and that's the end of it. But I always have a practice. Once I send a podcast pitch within five to seven days, I follow up with the host and say, hey, just about to tune into the latest episode, thought in case it got lost in the shuffle, I'd follow up with that. I would say like maybe 70% of the shows that I book are because I did that second Mm. email and I'm not just flippantly sending things out there, um, but I'm actually taking the time to check in. And more often than not, oh my goodness, I was in the middle of a launch. I didn't see it. Oh, it went to spam. Thank you so much for following up. And you didn't have to follow up with me because as soon as I saw your pitch, I'm like, okay, this person sounds like she would be a perfect fit for my podcast. And here's what I did, listener. Lisa, in her pitch, and and I think it was at the very end of the pitch. So I read through the whole thing and it was not a super short pitch. It was several paragraphs long. She did all the hard work for me. She said, your listeners are going to learn this, this, and this. So she really, you really very clearly outlined what value you were going to provide for my listeners. What you are offering just happened to coincide exactly with a series that I'm doing right now on expanding your author platform and some different ways that you can go about doing it. I'm like, oh, okay, this is going to be a perfect fit. So my next item on my to-do list before I got back to Lisa was I wanted to listen 
to how she presented herself on other people's podcasts. And at the bottom of your email pitch to me, Lisa, you included the links to three other podcasts on which you had been a guest. So I was able to instantly listen to those episodes to hear the way Lisa presents herself, to get a feel for the type of energy that she brings to the table, and also to see what sorts of points that she covered. Like, is she really going to deliver on what she says she's going to do? And indeed, she did. And so I didn't waste any time getting back to her and booking her to be a guest on my show. But that is something that a lot of people who are pitching themselves neglect to do. They'll prepare this really nice pitch, and it does really focus on the benefits that the person is going to bring to my audience then they forget to tell me anything about themselves. Like they don't include their website. They don't tell me where I can find them on social media. They don't include links to other podcasts that they have been a guest on. It's like, here's what I can offer. Okay, bring me on. And I'm like, oh, no, but, 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 no, I have to do a little more digging here. I don't know you. I don't know if I can trust you. And you're not giving me any information about where I can go like to your home base to find out a little bit more about you. And I think maybe that's deeply ingrained from my own PR days is that you really want to, before you hire somebody or bring them on to represent themselves on your show or on your blog or on your whatever, you want to really figure out if they're a good fit for you. And you want to find out what type of a person they are. Or in my case, even though my show is not a Christian podcast per se, a lot of my listeners are Christian authors. So I would want to listen to several podcasts on which you were a guest to find out if you're swearing a lot on other people's shows. And if you are, that would probably be a sign to me that you wouldn't be the best fit for my audience. So there's a, a difference. There are a lot of people who pitch themselves and I already know them. I've met them at conferences. I know them in person or I've worked with them before. That's not a problem. But when it's somebody like you, Lisa, who I've never heard of before and suddenly you've come onto my radar, I'm going to do a fairly deep dive to find out as much as I can about you before I invite you to be a guest on my show. Well, one thing I'd love to share, and a little bit of, as my mom would say, let me give you this joke. She's from Trinidad. That's how she would say it. And I know who our listeners are, so I promise I'm going to keep it clean and classy here. But a little <laughs> saucy thing. One thing that my mom always asked me to never be is exactly what you need to be when it comes to visibility in public relations. Fast and easy. Mom was always like, Lisa, don't be fast and easy. And what I mean by that is you want to eliminate the friction. Laura, I didn't want to put the onus on you to have to go and Google and search me. You'll notice that in the intro where I said, hi, my name is Lisa Simone Richards. Lisa Simone Richards was hyperlinked to my website. So if you want mm -hmm. to know about me, you just needed to click on the name and it would take you right there so that you wouldn't have to take time to do the research on me. That's why in the PS, and again, this is something I teach my clients to do in the PS, I say to get a sense of my energy because I am a cold pitch. You don't know who I am. You're not just letting anybody onto your show to get a sense of my energy here. You can find me on these three different podcasts, which is again, something I've built up over time. It's okay. If you don't have that yet, if you're listening, we all yeah. start somewhere. Um, but as you accumulate those, I, you know, even if, if I hadn't been on other podcasts, maybe I'd say something like, you know, to get a sense of how I speak to this topic, watch this Instagram live that I did. That's a great example of how you can own your, use your social media and your own platforms to control the content. So someone can get a sense of who you are while you're growing to um, accumulate those earned media opportunities. I love that because we all start with zero. 
We start with zero listeners to our podcast. We start with zero subscribers to our email list. Every single one of us starts with zero. And so it's just, it's a matter of figuring how to, out how to frame yourself and your skills and the value that you bring to somebody else's audience and then stepping out there and doing it. What are some steps that we can take to begin reaching out to others whose platforms we'd like to appear on? So the first thing I would really recommend is this is what I call my ABCs of visibility, because I'm a really big believer in being clear on what is the intention of your visibility. What is the purpose? Do we want to build a awareness so that people know who we are and that we exist? Do we want to build B buzz. So let's say you have a book that's just about to come out. You don't want people just hearing about it once or twice. You'd like to be all over the place. And maybe, you know, for the month before you want to be on 15 different podcasts so that people are hearing about it all over the place. Or are you looking to build C credibility and establish a name for yourself? So if I can really briefly explain a story that shares the difference between building awareness, buzz and credibility, this one actually really focuses on awareness versus credibility. And I was on a sales call with a copywriter and she shared with me that her intention was to get more paying clients. She worked with online business coaches who are just getting started needing their first sales page written, you know, maybe an email sequence. And she had shared with me, Lisa, I would love to be hosted on the top copywriting podcast. It's called Copy Chat. It's not. I'm making that up. I can't remember the okay. name of it. But um, <laughs> she was like, Lisa, I would love to be on this, the Copy Chat podcast. All my favorite copywriters have been on it. And if I was on there, I would know that I've made it. And I shared with her, okay, awesome. Got it. Your intention is to read online coaches who can hire you. They're not listening to in-depth shows on copy. So let's focus on getting you on the kind of shows that new coaches are listening to, business-focused podcasts. Mm -hmm. Because number one, you're not just blending in the noise with a bunch of other copywriters. Now you're actually standing out as the copywriter talking to online business coaches. If you told me you were focusing on C, building your credibility and getting your name said in the same sentence as those top people that you've looked up to and followed to for years, then I would say, let's go for the copy chat. But that's why number one, you've got to be intentional with or really clear on what's the purpose of being seen. So once you're clear on your intention, if you're looking to build awareness, buzz, or credibility, you know who you want to get in front of, then the next thing is to really figure out who are the gatekeepers, who owns the platforms, mm -hmm. who has access, who's going to be able to say yes or no to you to get your foot in the door. So this will require a little bit of research, whether it's going to an about page on a website Googling podcast hosts of XYZ podcast. Um, but just doing a little bit of research is going to be your next step to understand who you need to get in touch with. If you want to be on television, look for a segment producer. If you want to be on magazines, in magazines, sorry, you're looking for an editor. If you're looking to be interviewed on a website, you're probably looking for a freelance writer or a contributor. If you want to be interviewed on a podcast, you are looking for the host. Maybe you want to be interviewed in somebody's Facebook group. You're going to need to go on the About tab to find out who is the admin and the owner of that group. So you want to find the gatekeeper, the person who has access. Once you figure out who that individual is, you want to understand what is their purpose of being on the platform. You know, especially with podcasts, you can just look at from the provider. The purpose of this platform is to inspire, to educate, to motivate, ensure that you are actually aligning yourself with the vision. If you can re repeat back to them, you know, what I'd love to help do is inspire readers too. They may not remember that they wrote that about page two years ago, but when they read your writing, it's going to feel like home. They'll be like, yeah, this is exactly what I want to do. And it's going to help build that connection. 
and then focus on what's the value you're going to bring to the table. Outline it in a really simple way. I'm specifically a big fan of just putting into three bullet points. As soon as you write a novel for somebody, if they already don't know you, they don't have that much time to go through it. So we want to make it skimmable. We want to make it easily readable and digestible, giving them an idea of what they're going to walk away with or their audience is going to walk away with at the end of everything. Just boil it down to your three uh, succinct bullet points. I love what you're saying about the ABCs of publicity, Lisa. So the A would be awareness, right? So people know you exist. And then B is buzz. So it gets talked about everywhere, thus increasing your chances of someone perhaps buying your book, for example. And then C is credibility. One of the things that I always recommended when I was a publicist was starting out on local media and then kind of working your way up to national media. Because a lot of authors that I've talked to are like, well, I'm going to, like you were saying in your example a few minutes ago, I want to be on the Today Show or I want to be on Good Morning America. But there's somebody who's never published a book before and no one even knows yet that they exist. And they're assuming they're going to go from zero to a thousand miles an hour, you know, in one step building your credibility maybe with a a smaller stage or with local media might make sense for an author. For most people, the traditional step and what I would recommend is definitely start local and grow bigger. But I have had clients go the other way, but this is not the norm. When I was just getting started running my own PR agency in 2015, I was working with identical twin chiropractors. So think about like property brothers, identical twins, but in chiropractics. <laughs> okay. Um, Dr. Marco, Drs. Marco and Paula DeChantis saw them for my new last summer. Fabulous guys. So their first visibility opportunity ever, without ever being interviewed anywhere before, was on Canada's largest daytime TV show mm-hmm. called The Social. Um, one of Canada's largest daytime television shows, I should say uh, properly. Um, and this was a live show. So you go in studio it's on air it's live across Canada little red blinking light Uh spoiler alert they did a great job they were asked to come (laughs) back multiple times their friends and family packed the audience it was wonderful and to that note imagine if it didn't go well the first time you know they saw that light start blinking and they started to sweat and they couldn't remember what they were going to say like definitely start on a smaller stage because this gives you an opportunity to refine your messaging, to practice, Mm -hmm. to build confidence in what you're saying. Because if your first time is on Oprah or in front of a national audience and you freeze and like a deer in headlights, not to scare you, but just in case it happens, you don't want it to be in front of the whole world. So start on a smaller scale, build that comfort level, especially anything we do the first time isn't going to be perfect. It's our first time. We have to grow. We get to get better. So start on that smaller platform. It may not be the like biggest, shiniest name out there, but it's a great place to use your training wheels and then continue to grow and build your confidence and get seen in other bigger places. And you have developed what you call the ladder of publicity, Lisa, which I think fits in perfectly with that example that you were just giving us, where you kind of start with one thing and then work your way up the different rungs of the ladder. So could you walk us through the ladder of publicity? One of the things I ask my clients to do is to build themselves what I call a healthy media mix. And what I mean by that is people like to consume content one of three ways. It's either by reading it, which I'm going to guess probably applies to most people on this show today. Yep. Um, it's by <laughs> listening to it, which again can apply to a lot of us because here we are listening to this podcast, or it could be watching content. And of course, I'm sure we all do all three, but we have our preferred mode. So I like for my clients to have a healthy media mix, making sure they're being read about, 
heard about and seen so that no matter how the person they're trying to reach likes to consume content, they can get it delivered to them in their preferred way. Also, it's great for Google ability. When someone searches your name, they can read about you, they can see you, and they can hear you. So moving up through the ladder of publicity, there are three different rungs to move up on the ladder. And what I like to take into account with this is not only building a healthy media mix, but also helping people build confidence as they move up the various rungs of the ladder. So at the bottom, at our beginning stages, we have written content. What this could look like is contributing an article to a website, being interviewed by somebody for a website. It could be um, writing an article for a newspaper, a magazine, writing a guest blog post for somebody else's site. The thing that all of these have in common, it's somebody else's platform that you're either writing for or you're being written about on so that you can get in front of new people, not just on your own platform. I love suggesting written content first, because especially if somebody is a little more shy and not so confident putting themselves out there just yet, or maybe if they're a perfectionist and they want everything to just be so and polished and perfect before it gets out there, written content allows your inner perfectionist to do that. You can write the guest blog post and give it 48 hours in a drawer and come back to it. You can ask other people for feedback on it. When you are just yes on it, then you can hit submit or send. Especially if you're someone who's getting started and maybe you're a little more shy, it's a good way to start putting yourself out there. Then when you start to see your name as you know a contributing writer on the Huffington Post or Forbes.com or whatever that site might be, your confidence is going to start building. Your shoulders will get a little bit taller and you'll start to perceive yourself differently. And you'll start to see how the world is perceiving you in another way too. When you post a link to that article on Facebook, there we go. And you're getting kudos from friends and family, even if they haven't read it, the way you feel is going to enhance. Once we've done some written content, then I recommend moving up to audio content. This is where you're being heard. It could be being interviewed on a podcast like this. It could be co-hosting or moderating a room on Clubhouse. Um, if you have a local service or product, I know a lot of us are authors here, um, but it could be being on a local radio station. This is a great way for you to refine your message, to get comfortable with what you're saying, practice it out, test it a few different ways. And you also don't have the pressure of necessarily being on camera. So now that you're feeling a little more confident, getting your name out there, refining your messaging, this is when I encourage people to move up to that third highest rung in the ladder of publicity, which is visual content. This is where people are seeing you. It could be on a television show. It could be doing a live in somebody else's Facebook group, maybe doing an Instagram television with someone else or a guest training in someone else's mastermind. Maybe it's speaking on a live or a virtual stage, but in any event, this is where people see you. Personally, I always say I have only child syndrome. I love attention. Throw me on stage in front of 3,000 people and I will easily jump on and be like, hey, everyone, put away your phones. I'm here now. Pay attention to me. But I understand that that could terrify some people, which is why <laughs> we have the various levels that you can move up through. I love visual content where people can see you because this is where they get the best sense of your energy, your personality. Mm -hmm. They can really decide if you're the person that they're connected to and want to further connect with. They can really get a sense of who you truly are. But I also realize that this can put a little bit of pressure on people because now they're being seen. So this is why I recommend, again, moving up the ladder and building your confidence along the way, starting with written content, moving up to audio content, and then finally hitting that visual content. That is such sound advice. I recall when I was first starting out with my freelance writing career many years ago, 
I submitted guest blog posts to what was at that time the largest website in the world for the particular topic that I was specializing in. So I was writing for them two or three times a week, I believe. And I was one of many different authors who contributed to that site. But that was really a great and low-key way for me to begin getting my name out there. And then as my, my name sort of grew, I contacted the editor of the local business journal in my county and asked if I could write a column for them. And the editor said, sure. Now, they didn't pay me anything for that, but I was getting my articles out there, which were basically how-to articles, very similar to what I podcast about, how to increase your visibility via your email marketing, via your website, via your blog, and those sorts of things. I was getting that out there to the local business community who were my ideal clients. And I did that, I think, for about two years and ended up with a lot of really great clients as a result of just putting myself out there using the written word. And then I thought about podcasting for probably four or five years before I ever started a podcast. That one took a little bit of courage for me. I had to kind of climb that ladder up to the next rung on the ladder, as you were talking about. And I've also done some visual where I've been on some TV shows and that sort of thing. But for me, I do not have only child syndrome like you do, Lisa. <laughs> and being in front of 3,000 people would not be fun for me. So let's say, Lisa, that I'm an author listening to this podcast and I've worked up the courage to take the next step in wherever I am on that ladder. Maybe it means pitching a blogger or a podcaster or a local TV show, but I am feeling so afraid to do it. And I'm thinking, who am I to be on so-and-so best-selling author's podcast? How do you help your clients work through that fear? Oh, I love this. So I was just teaching a workshop on Friday where this is exactly what we did. And I encourage people to create what I call your not so humble brag sheet. And <laughs> this is where you get to really like brag, like we're taught to be modest and not to be so like show ourselves. I want you to unapologetically grab a piece of paper, give yourself 10 minutes. And I want you to write out various things, including how much time have you invested to be speaking about the thing that you're speaking about or writing about? Have you spent years, you know, getting education, certifications? What education have you received? You know, I even think back to like high school. I, I do a lot of speaking now and I did debating in grade 10. Mom was like, you're going to yes. learn how to do public speaking. So even though, you know, that Fulford debating tournament was back in grade 10, um, it still counts towards what I do today. So I literally add up cumulatively, what are all the things I've done through high school, university, what have I done through internships, past jobs? What awards have I won? What results have I created for myself? What results have I created for my clients? How much money have I invested to get here between oh, yeah. my various coaches, certifications, consultants? And I just tab it all up, the time, the years invested. Like literally I've been doing PR and visibility since I was 18 years old my entire life. I have 20 years of knowledge that I teach people in a matter of months. Like when I say it out loud, I'm like, whoa, you saved them 20 years of work. Um, you know, I, I really want you to think about that for yourself and just break through the trying to be polite and, hum, you know, toning it down, like unapologetically, how much have you invested your time, your money, the results. And then as you look at all of those laid out on a sheet of paper, my hope for you is that you see that and it reminds you of exactly who you are, the skills, the knowledge that you have that you probably take for granted that most other people don't have. I tell my clients to put it up on their fridge. 
I want them to see it every day. I want it to drill into them. I want it to become second nature that this is who you are. So if there's even one key takeaway from this, I could teach skills all day long. I could hand over the editor to Oprah's or Forbes's email address. But if someone doesn't feel the confidence in themselves to put themselves out there, everything I say is for naught. So I think one of the most important things to do is take the time to really reflect on who you are, what you've created, the great things people have said about you, and root into who you are and remind yourself that your voice, your message is worthy and it deserves to be out there and heard. Yeah. And really think about it. What's the worst thing that can happen? You go through, you write out who you are, you start gaining a little bit of confidence. You're like, oh, wow, I didn't even realize. Yeah, I have those skills. I can do those things. And that helps you to gain more confidence. And so you're thinking about pitching yourself to somebody. What is the worst thing that can happen? Well, they might not respond at all to your pitch, or they might say no. And okay, so what? If that happens, move on. My motto, Lisa, is it never hurts to ask. I have gained so much in terms of new relationships, new friendships, new business associations, simply by not being afraid to ask. I always say that what's the worst that's going to happen? You get a no and you're in the same place you are right now. Do you have any final tips that you could leave my listener with? Make one ask for visibility every single week. You were sharing earlier that you had that reactive opportunity show up in your inbox where someone invited you to speak. We have to put ourselves out there for visibility opportunities, especially in the beginning. So if every week you get into the habit of asking to be on a podcast, to do a Facebook Live, over the course of the year, you're going to make 52 asks. And chances are you will get some yeses from that. Probably a lot of them, to be honest. So just every single week, make it a consistent practice to ask for visibility. And by the end of the year, you will undoubtedly see a cumulative result from that activity. One thing that you can even put into practice that we talked about from the ladder of publicity is we first talked about written content. So something really easy that everyone listening today can do is let's say you want to have your writing featured on another website. Sure, you could publish content on your own blog, but you're only going to get the traffic that comes to your site. So let's leverage somebody else's platform and get your writing seen by other people. Something really easy to do is go onto Google and type in write for us, W-R-I-T-E for us in quotations, plus whatever your subject matter expertise is. Write for us nutrition, write for us fitness, write for us beauty, write for us money, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. And what's going to come up are websites looking for subject matter experts just like you to contribute content. May not be the big Forbes and Oprah and all of those huge names, but what it is going to be is a platform for you to actually start getting your name on outlets that aren't your own. And then you can start having more and more opportunities from there. Often when you do that, write for us, it will link up to their writer's guidelines. And that's a term that a lot of writers would be familiar with, Lisa. It'll take you to a writer's guidelines page, particularly if it's an online magazine or a print magazine that you are looking to write for. You definitely want to look through those guidelines and follow the guidelines as closely as possible when you are submitting work to them. Lisa, tell us a little bit about the way that you work with clients and the types of services and programs that you offer and where we can find you online. 
My passion now is to teach a person how to fish, so to speak, and share with them, here's how you figure out the right place to be seen. Here's how you figure out who the gatekeeper is. Here's how you creep and stalk out their email address. Here's how you send an effective pitch that somebody's going to say yes to. And I love to teach people a skill that they can lather, rinse, and repeat over and over again. So um, a number of people first get introduced to me through my free two-day visibility training called the Get the Word Out Workshop. And then when people want to work with me in a closer setting, I have a six-month program called the online visibility accelerator that teaches them how to just get visibility for the life cycle of their business. Laura, because we talked about, because you started by sharing my podcast pitch and that it was well-written, I would (laughs) love to give your listeners the backdoor access to seeing what that pitch looked like. I have a similar pitch as well as a fill-in-the-blank template so you can mimic the way that I do it. (laughs) <laughs> and you know, it's funny, I'm, I'm talking to writers right now. So this may not come up as much. But sometimes I think about opening a document, like writing a podcast pitch, for example, and there's just a blank page with that little blinking cursor. And it's like, mm-hmm. what do I say? We're going to get rid of that. You can get exactly what I say and fill in the blanks and put in your own information in there and follow a template that works. Okay, wonderful. And listener, I will put the links to Lisa's website as well as the perfect podcast pitch in the show notes over at bloggingbistro.com. Thank you so much, Lisa, for taking the time with my listener here today. I really appreciate all the words of wisdom that you've offered us. It was such a pleasure to have this conversation. Thank you for inviting me to share with your audience. You're so welcome. Thanks for listening to today's episode. You'll find more resources in the show notes at bloggingbistro.com forward slash podcast. Also in the show notes, there's a link you can click to subscribe to the podcast and I will email you a notification to every episode. When you subscribe, I'll also email you a bonus gift, my quick start guide called Essential Resources for Running a Writing Business. You can also listen to the show via your favorite podcasting app. Just open your app and key in the professional writer. When the show pops up in your app, save it to your favorites so you don't miss an episode. Or you can simply tell your smart speaker, play the professional writer podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please share it with a friend. Talk with you again next time.